Thank you, Pastor Phil. And hello, Infuse Church. All right, all the way from Singapore. You can go ahead and grab your seats. Um, smart, someone next to you tell them you look better this week than you did last week. <laughs> Make someone smile, all right? Put a smile on someone's face. Well, um, it is really, really good to be here with you guys today on Sunday. Um, like Pastor Phil said a moment ago, my name is, my name is Joel or Joel. Either way, it doesn't really matter. I respond to both. Singaporeans say Joel. Everyone else in the world says Joel. I will respond to both. All right. So uh, it doesn't matter what you say. I'll respond. All right. But um, like Pastor Phil said, my name is Joel or Joel, and I'm from Singapore, from a church called Victory Family Center. And um, we bring greetings from our senior pastors, Pastor Jeremy and Carissa. Um, they love your church. They love your senior pastors. And I'm thankful that they released me to come here and be with you guys. And um, you know, uh, we, we've been like, like we say, I've spent the last, you know, two, three days with the young adults from, from LifePoint, and I've had a great time with them. Um, Pastor Andy is doing an amazing job with the young adults as well. And uh, for me, you know, it's an amazing privilege for me to be able to come here and, and speak um, to you guys this morning. All right, so um, before we go anywhere, I want to introduce my family to you. Is that okay? I mean, they're not here here, but right, we've got pictures. So Aaron, Aaron or someone, Aaron, I think, is going to help me toss up a picture. Um, that, that is my wife and my kids. All right, so my wife is Carmen. We've been married for seven years. Um, she was a teacher um, before we had kids, and now she is home with the kids, which is amazing. Um, and those are our two girls. The one on the left is Johanna. She's five. And the one on the right is Olivia. She is three. Um, and their personalities are as different as they look in that photo. That just represents everything about them. Um, Johanna is really, you know, she's quiet. She's introspective. She is really sensitive. She's that. She's She's a good kid, all right? She's really gentle and, and, and all. Um, Livy, as you can tell, um, is just... Okay? Um, uh, she will bite. She will push. She will climb. She will destroy. Um, you know, sometimes Hannah will build this, you know, massive, like, duplo tower, and Livy just comes over and... <laughs> That's, uh, I was telling the young adults the other day, my wife came out from the bedroom to this, this scene where... Um, the scene she came out to was um, Johanna lying on the floor and Olivia sitting on her face and <laughs> Johanna crying her guts out because, you know, um, um, Hannah was playing with something and, 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 and Livy wanted it. No, they both wanted the same thing. And so Livy snatched it and pushed Johanna under the floor. And when Hannah tried to take it back, she pushed her down again and sat on her face and sat on her. And Carmen comes out to this scene where um, Livy is sitting on Hannah's face and has a handful of Hannah's hair in her hand that has been removed from her head, right? And, and she brings Livy in, you know, disciplines her and all that. And I was telling her that actually what happened was after she brought Livy back out from the room, she found Hannah writing a note. And, and, and Hannah was writing a note and, and it basically stopped that. She, she wrote on that note, you know, I love you, Olivia. And then she, when Carmen came out, she was like, mommy, how do I say, how do I spell no matter what? And it was just, oh man, like, but that highlights how different they are, right? Pray for Livy and tell Hannah she's doing an awesome job. It's pretty much where we are right now, right? But, but we love them. We love our kids. There is Carmen as well. Um, she's amazing. I love my wife, right? And uh, we, we've been pastoring our youth ministry together for the last six and a half years. Um, and, and it's an amazing privilege that we get to work with young people and leaders. And I, I love that we get to do what we do. Most mornings we wake up and we say, I can't believe we get to do this. This is amazing, right? So... 
Um, um, we love we're doing what we do. And um, today, I want to jump into scriptures together with you guys. And we're going to go to the book of Psalms. Um, and we're going to read in Psalm 92, all right? Psalm 92, if you have um, the CEV or the ESV, that'll be incredible. If not, whatever version is fine. But um, the first part of this psalm that David writes um, was basically focused on he was thanking God and praising God. Then he begins to talk about how God's going to deal with his enemies and all that stuff. And then he begins to talk a little bit about how God deals with the righteous. And so in Psalm 92, verses 12 to 14, um, this is what it says. It says, good people will prosper like palm trees, right? They will grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon, and they will take root in your house, Lord God, and they will do well. They will be like trees that stay healthy and fruitful even when they are old. All right, come on, let's bow our heads and we're going to pray for a moment and we're going to jump into this. Father, we thank you so much for your presence that is already here with us. We thank you that you're one who inhabits our worship, that when we begin to set our attention and focus on you, God, you're here in the room with us. Lord, I pray today that as we get into your word, that you would cause uh, our hearts to be open to you. You would stir up a hunger and an expectation in our hearts for more of you today. God, let your word begin to speak change. Let your word begin to speak transformation. Let your word come alive to us today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Right, so even as I was, you know, kind of just praying and, 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 and sensing like what God wanted to say or, or do this morning, God led me to this scripture and as I began to read this in the Psalms, you know, it starts off by saying, hey, good people will prosper like palm trees. How many of you, you, you like palm trees? They look nice, right? Like, you know, when you look at palm trees, you think of like Hawaii or something like the beach, you know, it's nice, palm trees are amazing. Um, and then it also says that, you know, they will grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. Well, first of all, I believe that as believers, as Christians, we're called to grow, all right? And that growth never stops. You might be one, you might be five, you might have been in the church for 10, 15, 20, 50 years, but our call on our lives is to constantly be growing, right? And, and to grow like what? The Bible here begins to describe the growth as, to, 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 as for these people to grow like the cedars of Lebanon. Now, um, I, I don't know how much into trees and wood and stuff you might be. Um, I'm not super into it either. I just... I just research a lot, right? But um, um, the cedars of Lebanon were kind of legendary trees in the context of the Bible. Back in their day and age when David was king, um, to get these cedars were, were, were like, a, it, it was, it, they were expensive, they were hard to get, and they were, it was good quality wood. Um, the way that they would describe the wood that comes from these trees, it would be like, it was wood with a fine grain. It was attractive color, meaning you wanted it for your furniture. You wanted it for the beams in your palace if you were a king. You wanted this wood. Um, there was a natural fragrance to this wood that, you know, you, you ever walk into those like furniture shops and it's just like, oh, it smells like kind of nice, right? Well, because of some of this wood. Um, it was durable, all right? It was a wood that was hard. It was durable and it was immune to the ravages of bugs and insects and things like that. It was a prized wood. And I believe today that that is a description of what, what we should be like. That we should be, hey, we should be attractive to the people around us to attract them to Jesus. There should be a fragrance of God that comes forth from our lives that we should be, as God begins to work in and through our lives, immune to circumstances and situations that go on around us that we would be able to stand firm and be durable, right? It says here, that we're going to grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. It says they will take root in your house, Lord God, and they will do well. They will be like the trees that stay healthy and fruitful even when they are old. How many of you are young? 
How many of you think you are young? <laughs> doesn't matter what our age might be. We might be 20, we might be 50, we might be in our 90s. But here, the Bible is telling us, hey, do you know what? You can stay healthy and fruitful no matter what age you're at. That God is not done with you. That it is not over. That there is still more for you. You know, um, um, I, I don't know how COVID was like for many of you. But, you know, one of the really interesting things that happened to us in Singapore was that because people were locked down in their houses and bored to death, one of the things that happened to many, many people was that they became plant parents over the last two and a half years. Anyone, anyone, like, you know, you just started growing out like a gazillion plants, yeah? <laughs> right? Um, and, and, you know, the thought process usually goes something like this. Okay, it's COVID, we can't leave our house, we need to make the house look nicer right? We need to get like cafe vibes into the house because we can't hit out. So the house will look awesome. Let's get some plants. Let's get some plants that will look nice. Let's get some things that, you know, will grow into vegetables that you can harvest. Let's grab some things that will, you know, grow into herbs so I can stop paying, you know, $5 for like a sprig of thyme in the supermarket. And let, let, me, harvest my own, let me harvest my own herbs. But the reality is for many people in Singapore, maybe you guys are better here, right? But for the reality is for many people in Singapore, Two years after this plant parent journey has started, lying around the house right now are many decrepit, shriveled, shrunken, dried up shells of plants hanging in random places of the house. There are empty pots with soil that is so hard and dry in them it could kill someone sitting in random corners of people's apartments and no one knows what to do with them anymore. At the height of our plant parenting, I should say my wife's plant parenting, <laughs> nothing to do with them, we had 61 plants in our house. 61. <laughs> we had, it was just so many plants in the house. And, and it was interesting because I never knew that plants needed so much work. For me, it's just buy a plant, water it, it's all good. No, you can overwater a plant, you can underwater a plant, you can give it the wrong kind of water. I'm just like, this, this is so much. Like, it's, it's, it's more complicated than keeping a human alive almost, you know. Like, uh, it, there's the right kind of soil, wrong kind of soil, too wet, too dry, too. There's so much stuff to it. And, and as we began to watch, now most of our plants survived, thank you Jesus, but as we began to watch, especially at the beginning phases, so many plants began to die, we would begin to research and Google and search how to keep plants alive, why, why are they dying, what was the issue? And, and we found that most of the common causes of plant death were mostly things that affected the roots. It was mostly things that affected the roots. If the soil was too wet and the roots weren't taking it fast enough, the roots would begin to rot and you get root rot, which would begin to kill a plant. Now, and, and there were so many other things that would cause a plant to be unhealthy and shrivel and die that you don't see above the surface, but most of the root issues was the root. Most of the root issues were the root. And what you begin to see is that the health and the ability of a tree or a plant to produce fruit is inextricably linked with the health of the roots. It's inextricably linked with the health of the roots. The psalm that we just read says they will take 
root, and then they will be healthy and fruitful. A rooting is required. If you take root, you will do well. You will stay healthy. You will be fruitful. Healthy things grow. Healthy things are fruitful, but healthy things need to take root. Right? There's another passage in the book of Matthew about roots in Matthew 13, it's a parable that if you've been in church for a little while, you'd know it. You know, it's a parable of the sower. This guy walks around sowing seeds, and there's different kinds of soil, soil that it falls on, right? And in Matthew 13, verse 21, it begins to highlight this issue. It says that, you know, um, in verse 20, it says, okay, there was some that was sown on rocky ground. And this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root. Or in some other translations, it says, but since they don't have deep roots, they endure, but for a while, and once tribulation or persecution arises, they fall away. There is no fruit that comes out of it. But it says towards the end, right, that, that there is the kind of soil that encourages root, that encourages the seeds to take root. In verse 23, it says, it's sown on good soil, hears the word, understands it, and indeed bears fruit and yields 100 or 60 or 30 fold. There is this understanding that deep roots... Number one, lead to deep fruit. But no roots, no fruit. Right? Whisper to someone next to you, no roots, no fruit. <laughs> All right? Deep roots, deep fruit, no roots, no fruit. See, to be rooted means to be firmly established, to be entrenched in something, to anchor yourself on something. Have you seen people try to remove trees? You've got to get a truck to come in, tie a chain around it, and, and yank and yank and yank. So much work to uproot a tree. And we're called to be rooted. We're called to be anchored on. We're called to be firmly established. We're called to be entrenched in some things. And not just to have some roots or shallow roots, but we're called to have deep roots. Now, what's the importance of deep roots? I, went, I generally geek out on most things. So once I start reading, I want to read more and more and more and more. And so I found myself in a little spiral about roots when I was studying for this. And apparently what happens is that when a tree or a plant has deep roots, it actually begins to access a supply of water and nutrients that is unavailable to surface roots. Because as you begin to grow, go deeper into the ground, there's different layers of soil, right? And different layers of soil, there's different types of nutrients, there's different types of groundwater and underground streams, all these kind of things that, that, will, that will provide water and nutrients for a plant. And what happens is when a plant has shallow roots, if you're in a little bit of a dry season and, 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 and the soil, the top soil gets a bit dry and, and, and those roots have nothing to draw from because that's it. The rain stopped, the ground is dry, and they're stuffed. They're gone, all right? They, they, they have nothing. But if, if a plant or a tree can have its roots punched through the top layer into the next layer of soil, into the next layer of soil, into the next layer of soil, even if it doesn't rain, even if it gets a bit hot, even if it gets a bit dry and dusty on the top, it can begin to access layers of nutrients and layers of water that come from the groundwater up that would be to continue to sustain its life even in the dry seasons, even in the difficult seasons. It, they said that, you know, researchers were saying that if you could get certain crops to have deep roots, it could even, even like alleviate water stress on crops and different things. I really geeked out on this, right? And it increases stability of plants. There's so much that deep roots do. But what's interesting though is that 
in, in, in the day and age that we're living in right now, and especially in, in our younger generations, you're almost taught that having no roots is advantages to you. To have that freedom, to have that mobility, to not be tied down to a, a job or a company. So I, I, get, I understand it, that yes, you, know, you want to learn new things and you want to go new places, and I get that. But sometimes we begin to take that same concept and apply it to our spiritual lives. And we begin to float from thing to thing, from place to place, from church to church, from direction to direction. But here the Bible begins to make it clear that we need roots. When we deprive ourselves of roots, we actually deprive ourselves of fruit. And God wants us rooted because He wants us to bear fruit. Now, why is being fruitful so important, right? Why is being fruitful so important? So many scriptures in the New Testament that actually begin to highlight the importance of bearing fruit in our lives. Um, Matthew 7, verses 17 to 19 says, A good tree produces good fruit, a bad tree produces bad fruit, right? A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. That's rough. It's like, no fruit, done. <laughs> John 15, 1 to 2, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Mind you, he's talking about believers here and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. John 15, 8, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. If you work your way through scripture, there is a command almost for us to produce fruit. See, secondly, no fruit is not an option. No fruit is not an option. Fruitfulness, as you begin to look through Scripture, is a command, basically, that as believers, we're going to be evaluated on the fruit of our lives, that God desires us to be fruitful. Well, God rewards fruitfulness as well. I mean, you see it, there's the parable of the talents where He begins to reward the ones that bore fruit. In fact, I found it really interesting if you look into the wording of that passage, um, let me just, I'll just pull it up. Uh, parable of... Awkward silence while I'm looking for it. <laughs> it is in, I believe, Matthew 25. I want you to check this out because it, it hit me really hard the other day as I was reading this. Matthew chapter 25 in verse 19 onwards says that the master returns after a long time and asks them to give an account of the money he'd given them, right? It says in verse 20, the servant whom he'd entrusted with five bags of silver came forward with five more. He said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I've earned five more. So master was full of praise. He said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so I'll give you more responsibilities. And I was like, yay, but sometimes you're like, Ugh. you know, but it's a word of praise from the master, right? Well done, my good and faithful servant. And since the servant who received two bags came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags to invest and I've earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more. What I want you to catch with these first two, first of all, was that it didn't matter what their capacity was it didn't matter what gifts, the amount of the gifts they had was. At the end of the day, the master rewarded increase. The master rewarded fruitfulness, right? 
they both got the same statement from the master. Well done, my good and faithful servant. But it comes to the third servant. And he says, I was afraid I'd lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. And look, here it is, back. Here's your money. My master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Ouch. It hurts, right? He gets thrown out into the outer darkness. But what hit me was this. The servant that was given one, he didn't lose what he was given. He, 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 didn't, he didn't squander what he was given. In fact, he maintained it. He, he kept it in the same state that it was placed into his hands in. But yet, the response from the master was you wicked and lazy servant. You see, we're called as believers not to just maintain what God places in our hands. We're called as believers not to just keep the same, the gifts and the abilities and the blessing and the resource that God has given to us. No, there's a responsibility on our lives as believers to bring increase, to bear fruit, to multiply the things that God has placed in our hands. But how, how are we going to bring increase to the time that He has given us? How do we bring increase in the family that He's given us? How do we bring increase in the jobs that He's given us? How do we bring increase in the community that He's given us to steward? How do we make sure that we, when, when we stand before the Master, we can go, God, this is what you've given me and this is what I've done with it. And we get to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, and not you wicked and lazy servant, right? There's a responsibility on us to be fruitful in our lives. Being fruitful brings increase. And, and for us, you know, even as we talk about, yes, being rooted is going to bear fruit. And I believe now we're in a point where we understand that, yes, all right, there is a responsibility for you and I as believers to bear fruit, to bring increase. How do we do it? Yes, we do it by having roots. But see, we've got to understand that it's not just about having roots. Right? It's about having roots in the right thing. It's not just about having roots, it's about having roots in the right thing. I'm going to ask Taylor to jump up on the acoustic guitar just to make it more spiritual for us. But we're going to pray in a moment. And I want you to catch this. You see, my neighbors um, became COVID plant parents as well, <laughs> um, right about the time we did. And, and they've got this, it's a, it's a beautiful plant. It's really tall. Now, I'm not very tall, so most things feel very tall to me. But it was, le- it was a legitimately pretty tall plant. It was, you know, just way above my head. And... And it was like some kind of like weird dwarf palm thingy. I don't know what it was, but it was a really, really nice plant. It was really tall. It had lots of leaves. And it made the entrance of their house look really cool because you, you, you walk up to their house. And we live in an apartment, so they're right next door to us. And you walk up to their house, and there's these like two towering plants right next to their door. And it just makes everything so lush and green. You see, the thing is, what would happen was, um, because we're living on the 13th floor, it's kind of high up. Whenever it rains or whenever wind begins to hit, We'd be in our house minding our own business and suddenly you would hear, you'd hear like crashing. And we'd run out and we would see that, that, that their plants would be on the ground. Usually what happens is one plant gets taken down by the wind and it takes the other plant down. <laughs> and there's this little domino of plants. And, and one time I remember it, it, it took, the plant took the plant and then the plant took the shoe cabinet. And so it was just an utter disaster out there. Right? You see, the problem wasn't that the plant didn't have roots. 
The problem wasn't that the plant was unhealthy. No, it was a beautiful plant. It was glorious. It was really, really pretty. Might, might have been tempted to steal it once or twice. It was a great plant. But the problem was that it was rooted in this tiny little pot. In this tiny little pot that didn't have the the ability to give it stability, didn't have the ability to provide it protection from the winds, didn't have the ability to keep it upright when resistance and opposition began to push against it because it was rooted in the wrong pot. If that pot had been bigger, if that pot had been wider, if there had been just a little bit more soil in that pot, when the winds came, when the, when the rains began to push against it, it would have stood firm. But because it was rooted in the wrong thing, the moment opposition came, the moment a gust of wind begins to blow, bam, the plant calms down. And many times, if we're being honest with ourselves, that's a picture of our lives. Sometimes we root our lives in things that aren't going to bring the firm foundation that we need to stand on. Sometimes our lives may be rooted on a job or on a relationship or on a figure in our bank account or on the kind of friends that we keep or the size of a house. And the reality is every one of those things, the Bible teaches us, will fade away. The economy can go from great to in a moment. We need our lives rooted on something that is unshakable, unchangeable, that will never fail. And there's only one thing that I know that fulfills that criteria. His name is Jesus. Well, what do we root ourselves in? In Colossians 2, it says this, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Let your roots grow down into Him and let your lives be built upon Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. I'm just going to give you five really, really quick things that we can root ourselves in on a daily basis that will make sure that we're going to stand firm, that we're going to stand strong, we're going to bear fruit. First, very obviously, His Word. Right, it says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted when you produce much fruit. You're my true disciples. The context of that produce much fruit was what my words remain in you. In Psalms, verse 1-3 to three of chapter 1, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way with sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on His law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. We need to root ourselves in the Word of God. And I want to encourage us today. You know, sometimes we go, I feel like God's not speaking to me. I feel like God's not speaking to me. Well, oftentimes, God is speaking, but we got to open up His Word. Sometimes when we go like, I don't hear God, but I'm not reading my Bible, it's kind of like switching off your phone and going like, why is no one calling me? Your phone's off. No one's calling you because your phone's off. Open the Bible. Get into it. And, 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 and we got to recognize today and more than ever before, I appreciate that. I, I love that your church is multi-generational. I, I love this. 
that there's generations in this church and you're all seated in the same room and you got to recognize that one of the things that is coming under the heaviest attack in this generation is, is a generation's ability to read, study and interpret scripture for themselves. That we're seeing the most biblically illiterate generation that our planet has ever seen. And, and if, you're, if, if you're an older generation, take on a responsibility of discipling young people in the Word. They have, you know, it's kind of crazy because they have access to more information than ever before, more opinions than ever before. But the reality is we need to, we need to dig into the Word. And, and, and you have a generation today that's growing up in a place where, you know what? The Bible means what I want it to mean. I got to speak my truth. No, it's not your truth. It's the truth, right? What does the Bible say? It don't manifest your destiny. No, what does the Word of God say? We need to be rooted in His Word. We need to study His Word. We need to get in the Word. We need to be rooted in it. If you're a young person here, can I challenge you? I'm not, I'm not coming down on you. <laughs> you know, I'm a youth pastor. I love you guys, all right? You guys are literally what I do day in, day out. Get into the Word. Ask God to stir up a hunger for His Word inside of you. Study it for yourself. Don't, don't just take what someone says, on, you know, especially if you're on TikTok. Don't just take some, what someone says and believe, oh, it's true. No, get into the Bible for yourself. Study it for yourself. Build a foundation of the Word of God in your life. Right? Come on, get into His Word. Secondly, be rooted in His presence. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. I love times of worship where we can come together like that. But that should also happen in our daily lives. Where wake up in the morning, just be in a worship and say, God, I welcome your presence into my home. I welcome your presence into my room. God, I'm just leaning and I want to be rooted in your presence. What else? We can be rooted in His promises. God, is, the Bible is just, my gosh, so many promises, right? 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for His glory. That we would have lives that are rooted on the promises of God. Hey, you know what? You might be going through a sickness right now that is a promise of healing. You might be going through a, a period where, yes, you might be struggling a little bit with mental health or thoughts or patterns of thought. You know what? The Bible has a promise of peace that we can begin to root ourselves in the promises of God. Ephesians 3.17 says, Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him and your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. That we will find our roots in the unfailing, unending, unconditional, just unfathomable love of our God. Lastly, we're going to circle back to the very first scripture we read. In Psalm 92, verses 12 to 14, and it says that they will take root in your house. That we will be rooted in the house of the Lord. That we will go, God, if this is where you call me to be, I'm going to sink my roots here. I'm going to serve here. I'm going to commit here. I'm going to pour my life out to build your house. Can I encourage you? Can I challenge you? If if you have small groups, if you have connect groups or life groups or whatever you might call them, to make that a priority in your life. That's a way for roots to go down to the house of God. This gathering on Sundays, this is amazing. All the different things that Pastor Phil was announcing moments ago, they would begin to allow our roots to sink down, be rooted in the house of the Lord, that we may grow and prosper and bear fruit. On His Word, 
His presence, His promises, His love, and His house. And if we would take root in these things, I promise you, I promise you, you're going to see the fruit from your life begin to multiply and not just be a blessing to yourself because if you think about it, a fruit tree grows fruits not for itself. It doesn't eat its own fruit. Everyone else around it eats its fruit, right? That your life will be a blessing to your community and to the people around you. Ramon, why don't we do this today? Why don't we all just stand for the next few moments and we're going to take a couple moments just to worship and let's focus in on the presence of God and I believe that God wants to just accelerate something in our hearts today. That He's going to cause our roots to grow down deep. He's going to stir up a new hunger for His Word. He's going to stir up a new hunger for His presence. He's going to remind us of His promises. He's going to pour out His love in this place. He's going to stir up a new heart and love and passion for His house inside of our hearts today. So come on, even as Taylor begins to lead us for these next few moments, let's just take a moment to worship. Well, let's lean into His presence. Let's focus in on Him today. Jesus, we worship you. We worship you, Jesus.